Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So, as I said, today we're starting a series called Find Your People, Love Your Neighbor. I realized this was a significant thing in my life. Last week, when I saw a lot of my people show up for me. You guys, you never know how much... Okay, I have this thing about me. When I leave an area, I left Detroit. I left Southfield, for those who want to know. (laughs) I left Oklahoma. I left Maryland. And I always feel like when I leave those areas, people don't remember me. I don't know why. I have no idea. It's a stupid thing. But to see my people show up for an event that I had, it meant the world. It meant the world. There's nothing like having a group of people who you can surround yourself with, that you can do life with, that show up for those important occasions, that are there when you're down, when you're sick, when you're upset. You have somebody you can talk to. Those are my people. In the midst of the crowd, I had one of my people with me who we went on a road trip from Maryland to San Antonio to watch a football game and then slept and then did it again on the way back. That was my people. That's a 24-hour journey. That's my people. I remember when I showed up and I found my people in Maryland. You guys, it wasn't all black, African-American, whatever one you want to call it. It wasn't all white. It was Indian. It was Hispanic. It was Dominican Republican. It was African. It was white. In Maryland, my people was amongst a whole race, I mean, a whole group of different races. Those were my people. I remember sitting in rooms with one of my boys just talking about how he had a crush on a girl and he didn't know what to do with it. Those were my people. I remember when my people showed up when my grandfather died. Those were my people. It's nothing like finding a group of people who got your back. Here's the deal. This series we're in, as I wipe my sweat, thank you for my people who got me. There we go. Here's this group of series we're in is all about small groups. We don't just have small groups and we're not just play play. We're doing this for real, right? So this means we want you guys to know how important it is to be plugged into a small group. Today, our sermon title is just simply, It's Not Good to Be Alone. It's not good to be alone. And I get it. Some of you are like, I'm a grown man, dog. I'm a grown woman. You ain't going to tell me what to do. Okay. But I'm going to tell you it's not good to be alone. You know what I'm talking about, too. When you're alone, that's when you see people get weird. Those Christians who were amazing when they were hanging out with you, but then they got alone into their own little corner, and they got weird. When you're alone, you'll find out you get picked off a lot easier. The enemy loves it. Get you by yourself so you start thinking your own things so he can begin to pick you apart. When you're alone, you get into your head a lot. You start creating scenarios how everybody in the world is against you. Nobody's for you. You get like Elijah who's like, God, I'm the only one left. When you're alone, it gets really ugly. Today we're going to realize it's not good for us to be alone. Let's pray. 
God, I just thank you for you and who you are to us. That your grace is for every new each morning. Your mercies are new every morning. And today we will learn that it's not good for us to be alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to just, I'm going to kind of talk with you guys. I have some scripture. And as a matter of fact, we're going to look at all of Genesis 1 and 2, part of 2. But before I do that, I just want to talk to you guys for a second. Because I know how it feels to be alone. Some of the students know this. Um, when I was younger, I had went to a, a, a dance at a camp. It was a camp. It was having fun. Everybody was having fun. And I felt so lonely in the midst of the dance. I literally sat on the side by myself. Everybody came up to me and asked me, was I okay? But on the inside, I knew I was lonely. So you could be in a large crowd and still be lonely. I want you guys to understand, I know what it means and how it looks also to feel like you have to do it yourself. When I left Detroit, when I, Southfield, okay. When I left the area that I left when I was younger, right? And I moved away. I felt like I had to do it all by myself. I didn't have family to lean on. I remember showing up to Oklahoma and my mom and dad dropped me off. That was the last time I saw them for two years. I'll take that. I went home for a vacation. But that was the last time I saw them in Oklahoma for two years. I felt alone the moment I stepped on that campus until I found my people. But I had to work at finding my people. I knew that if I walked around being alone the whole time, it was going to be miserable. Because I remember what happened when I moved from Detroit to Southfield my ninth grade year. I grew up in Detroit all the rest of those years, my ninth grade year. And I remember stepping on campus at Southfield High, not knowing anyone but my brothers, who are all in different grades, older than me. I remember them putting me in a really smart class, and I was not really that smart. I remember how it felt sitting in the back of the class, all the girls looking at me like, he looked good. I'm like, yeah, I do, I know. <laughs> but that, that's not the point of that. Sorry. Because my mama said I look good if you don't know that. I remember what it was like sitting in the back of those classes, feeling all alone, miserable, day in and day out, for at least the first month, not making a real friend. It's not good for men to be alone. We're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look at what science says. Then we're going to look at nature. We're going to see evidence that it's really not good for men to be alone. I'm looking at each and every one of you. Do me a favor. Just talk, turn to your neighbor and tell them, it ain't good that you're alone. <laughs> turn to your other neighbor and say, that's a good thing I'm here. I'm going to take this off because this is making me really hot. It's no longer a beautiful day in the neighborhood. All right, we're going to open up our Bibles to Genesis 1. For those of you that I know, some of you guys are sitting here today and you're going like, you know what, I, I know you're saying that it's not good to be alone, but I got this. I made a really good life for myself. No one can tell me differently. I love the Lord, I serve him, but I don't really need you guys. I come here and get fed, but I really don't need anyone. I got me, I got my wife, she's fed up with me, but I'm still good. You need someone as well. 
Can I prove it to you? In Genesis 1, we're going to just, we're going to read through these verses because I want you to see, first of all, that when God looked at creation, all the things he said that were good. You know this. This is nothing new, but I just want you to see it. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and the earth was formless, there we go, and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let us, I mean, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 4. And God saw that that light was good. This is interactive. You guys with me. All right. Verse 9. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so the dry grounds may appear. And it happened. It, it, and it, that is what happened. Come on, Stephen. You got this. God called the dry ground land and the waters sea. And God saw that it was Verse 11, then God said, let the land sprout with vegetations, every sort of seed-bearing plant, the trees that grow seed-bearing fruits. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetations, all sort of seed-bearing plants and trees that were seed-bearing fruits. These seed-bearing plants produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was? Verse 14, then God said, let there be light to appear in the sky, to separate the day from the night. Let there be signs to mark the seasons, the days, and the years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, the smaller one to govern the night. And he also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was... Verse 20. Then God said, Let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures, every living thing that scurries and swarms on the water, and every sort of bird, each producing offsprings of the same kind. And God said it was... Verse 24, you guys are doing great. Give yourself a hand clap. Okay, we're doing so amazing, so amazing. 24, as I wipe off some more hair. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offsprings of the same kind, livestock, small animals that squirrel on the ground, the wild animals, and that is what happened. God made all sort of animals, wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each produced offsprings of the same kind, and God said it was? Yeah. Notice, up until this point of creation, Everything we hear, God said it was good. The animals that he made, the plants and the vegetations, the lights in the sky, the land, the water. God said everything was good up to this point. Let's keep reading. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. There will rain over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I'm pausing there. Because right now we haven't heard whether it's good or bad. In order to get a clear account of what actually happened here, you have to jump over to Genesis chapter 2 so that you can get a clear account. And I'm going to start in verse 4, right? Because what we find out later on in this chapter, he says, then God looked over everything and he said it was all good. But let's get there first. Chapter 2, verse 4. 
This is the account of creation of heaven and earth. When the Lord God made earth and the heavens. Verse 7. Then God, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed breath into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. Then the Lord planted a garden in the east. Uh, in the east and there he placed a man he made. Verse 18. Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I want to pause there because this is the first place in all the creation as we look at the original intent for man that God said, It's not good for man to be alone. Yes, you can take the scripture and you can say this is about husband and wife. Absolutely. And how about you go back to the original Hebrew, the original text. I love that the original text for uh, alone here is actually B-A-D. Do you know what that spells? Bad. God said in this text, it's not good for man to be bad. I mean, just, just got to think about that for a second. Alone is bad. This is not like back in the 80s and 90s where good was bad and bad was good. You know what I'm saying? I'm bad, Michael Jackson. No, this is, God said in the original Hebrew, the word is actually B-A-D. It's bad. God said it's bad for you to be by yourself. The same word, interchangeable. And that word alone, so that you understand it, it is, it comes from the Hebrew word and it's bad, meaning alone, by itself, besides, apart, separation, and being alone. God looked at man, you and me, of all his creation and said, that's a bad idea. Just for a second, because I thought about this. It's as if you were a cook and you're a chef. You make one cake. You taste that cake. Let's call it a tres leche, because I love me a tres leche, right? You make one tres leche, let's say. Maybe you put all three milks in it. That's what tres means. Tres leche is milk, right? You taste it. That's good. You set that one aside. This time you're going to make a cheesecake, Right? You mix it up because you're the creator. You can make whatever you want, so you do. You make a cheesecake. You mix it up. You put all the ingredients in it. You taste it. That was good. This time you want to make a chocolate cake. Just by the way, I don't like chocolate cake, so <laughs> just be prepared. You make a chocolate cake. You mix it up. And maybe you forget an ingredient. You taste it, and you go, that's not good. That's kind of the picture of what happened in creation. It wasn't that we were incomplete. God actually opens up man's side, pulls a rib from him, and then, out of his completeness, gave it to a woman. The point is, God looked at us and said, it's not good for you to be alone. You don't realize what the enemy will do if you stand alone. You don't realize what will happen, the attacks that will happen if you stand alone. You don't realize the people you need. I made you to be in connection with other people. If you don't have other people in you, you're going to forever feel lonely. And there's some scientific effects of actually feeling lonely. But I'm not there yet. Because first thing you want to realize, when God created man, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. Everyone here needs a group of people in their life. When Jesus, the Son of God, full man, full God, showed up on earth, he went out and picked 12 guys because he said it's not good to, for him to be alone. Do you realize that? He not only had the 12, he had his close group of the three. If it's good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for you. It's not good for you to be alone is what I'm trying to get at. And when God saw you, 
in your alone state, he said, I'm going to help you out. All right. The wisest man who ever lived, uh, wisest king, wisest man was Solomon. Solomon wrote a book called Ecclesiastics. And in this book, he goes through, let me just give you some backdrop. Solomon decides, I'm going to try everything under the sun. The smartest, wisest man to ever lived and said, I'm going to try everything under the sun. I'm going to try women. I'm going to try alcohol. I'm going to try being lazy. I'm going to try working hard. I'm going to try money. I'm going to try looking at death. I'm going to try looking at life. I'm going to try looking at young. I'm going to try looking at young. Solomon tried everything under the sun. And in the midst of all these trying, in the midst of this, uh, this, this book, in chapter 4, Solomon says, I also observed something else that was crazy. Pick it up in chapter 4, verse 7. Solomon says this, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone. Hmm. Without a child or a brother. Yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasures now? It's so meaningless and depressing. I'm pausing because I want you to see a lot of men in this room. You need to understand, stop working so hard. I know you want to provide for your family. I know you want to provide for yourself. But do you have a group of people that's surrounded to you or surrounded by? Do you have children that you can actually pour into? It's not good that all you do is work, work, work and make money. It's not good because then you're all alone. I'm glad you have all that money. That's beautiful. Do something with it. Solomon, Solomon, the wisest man who had everything. Don't look. I'm not the wisest one. He wrote a book. Solomon said, hey, big dummy, listen. I know you want to do that, but it's not good. Okay, y'all just think I'm crazy. Let's keep going. Verse 9. I'm oh, sorry, hold on. I, gotta, I don't know what I just did with it. Here we go. That's important. All right, all right this is a case of, uh, uh, sorry, verse 8. This is a case of a man who's all alone, without a child or a brother. We read that. All right, but then he asked himself. We read that. All right, verse 9. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help him. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Okay, I'm I'm pausing because I, I like to get pictures. My wife came into the office when we were in Maryland. It was an icy day. She had fell on the ground. And she had scarred up her legs. She's not here, so I can do this, right? She had scarred up her legs, but no one was there to help her up. So she fell a couple times. You know the picture. You trying to get up, and she fell a couple times on the icy ground. When she got in, she was so upset because no one was there to help her. I know, aw, but as a guy, <laughs> I wasn't married then. I can do that, you know? Sucker, right? It's one of those things. Like, when you fall and you're by yourself, you have no one there to help you up. When I was first learning to ice skate, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I can skate skate, but I couldn't ice skate, right? But when I was learning to ice skate, this was in my 20s. I fell thousands of times. I'm talking about on this one time going around. I didn't even make it all the way around before I fell. But the cool thing was, I had somebody there that was trying to help me to skate. And every time I fell... That person helped me back up. 
Sure, that's the reason my butt is flat right now because I fell so many times. But the point was, someone help me up. Solomon said, if you fall, you need somebody to lend a, a helping hand. Hmm. Okay, let's continue what Solomon was saying. Likewise, two people uh, lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? This is a picture of David when he was in his older days that had to, you don't, I just want to, because you know, it seems weird. All those that know where I'm going with this, it seems weird, but they had to get a virgin to come lay with him so that he would be warm in the middle of the night. Back in those days, they didn't have heaters and all this stuff, so don't worry about that. So, but David needed to be warm, so they got somebody to help him be warm, right? But that's the picture here. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back and conquer. I like this picture. Because, again, I see things in pictures. When my brother Michael was younger, uh, he had went to a football game. And he was, he was, you know, you know, he was bad, right? So Michael was with his, was with his friend, and they decided they were going to go to a rival football game in a bad part of the city. And a group of the guys surrounded Michael and his friend. To fight them, if you guys like, what were they doing? They weren't going up this. Hey, how are you doing? Welcome here. No, this was. <laughs> come on, you guys. This was the hood. You know, it was square up. You get what I'm saying, right? They were going to fight Michael and his friend. Michael and his friend stood back to back, and I'm not bragging about my little brother, but that boy can throw his hands. He dropped like four or five of them with one punch. Just knocking them out, right? And his other friend knocking the other guys out. They walked away unscathed. If I was there, I'd probably have been on the ground getting knocked out because I'm not a fighter like that. <laughs> I'm just be real. But they stood back to back and actually was able to stand there on grounds against a gang of other guys. That's the picture here. When you're alone, you're going to be like me, knocked out on the ground. When you got somebody, you probably want to get a, like a, a Coach Zach Smith to be with you. I just want to point that out, right? You want to get like a Corey. You want to get somebody must. You don't want to get like a Tyler. I just want to point that out. You want to get somebody got some muscles on them, right? You, you probably want to get like a Pastor Jody because he can get angry and hit their kneecaps. <laughs> Stand back to back. Sorry. Sorry, Pastor Jody. Sorry, Pastor Jody. The wisest man that ever lived, besides Jesus, the wisest man said, it's not good for you to be alone. God said it. The wisest man tried everything, and then he said it. Jesus showed up on the planet, and he did it. I think it should be good enough for us. It's not good for you to be alone. Let me tell you the power that comes with being in a small group of people. My family was coming to town, and my wife's small group brought us all type of food. We ate that food. They had food for days, the whole week. We just threw the food away this morning, matter of fact. And we gave some to our neighbors, our family, Crystal. Crystal, I'm talking we gave food out. They care for us. My dad passed away. Ryan and Courtney came through the house, and I got mad at Jason because he didn't come because I'm like, I thought you were my buddy. But Ryan and Courtney came to my house, and they fed me food, right? Small group of people. When you have that small group of people... On a high day, 
in a low day, they're there for you back. You can lean on them. I can't tell you how many dings from my wife's phone do I get, Robert, you know what I'm talking about, from that crafty creation bunch that texts people back and forth. But that's their group. That's their group. They send in prayer requests. They're sending meal requests. They're asking, how is your baby mama? Probably not your baby mama. But they're asking all these random questions in the middle of the night. They're talking back and forth. That's their group. What's your group? Is it just you and your wife? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Please know that's not a bad thing. And you need more. Because your wife will get mad at you. Your husband. (laughs) I like the amens because they come out real right now, right? Your husband will silently get mad at you. He may not say nothing because he's afraid for his life. But he may grumble underneath his breath. I just want to point that out. Here's some science behind it. You guys know we just went through a pandemic. The whole world went through a pandemic. And before the pandemic, they actually did a huge study. I don't have that study here. But back in 2019, they did a huge study about being alone. And then they updated the study some more. 2021, they actually said this. They said social isolation significantly increases a person's risk of premature death from all other causes. A risk, uh, a risk that is more, mm, you know the word, rival, those of smoking, obesity. I don't know why they had to throw that in there. I'm just saying, I'm just overweight. I'm not obese. It's a little extra fat, but whatever. Smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Isolation, being alone, is worse than those things. Social isolation was associated with about 50% increased risk of dementia. (laughs) Young people, 30s, 40s, 50s, please go see your grandparents. Go see your parents. Go see those ones that have been socially isolated. You just stuck them in a home. America culture, we stick our old people in home and forget all about them. That was never meant to be. They were supposed to be in your house. You were supposed to care for them instead of just getting rid of them and saying, I don't want anything to do with them. Other cultures get this right. I'm sorry. I didn't have my grandparents to do this to. I didn't have that privilege. But you do. Okay. Poor social relationships characterized by social isolation and loneliness was associated with 29% increased risk of heart disease and 32% increased risk of a stroke. This This is shocking. Shocking. Loneliness was, was associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. This is after the pandemic, when we're all was forced to be by ourselves. Loneliness among heart failure among heart among heart failure goodness gracious, amongst heart failure patients was associated with nearly four times. Increased risk of death. 
68% increased risk of hospitalization and 57 increased risk of emergency department visits. And social isolation produces this picture that happened in the midst of the pandemic when Joey shows it. That is my daughter. You can't tell because you're covered by her face. But she was social. When, when the pandemic hit, happened, this is what happened to a lot of extroverts. This was her on the floor. Like, why always me? I can't handle it anymore. This was her. Me and Stevie had our best life. <laughs> just want to point that out. But I want you guys to see. This is really what happens when you're all alone. When you're alone, you get to the point where you feel like you can't do it anymore. You can't do it anymore. You want to just give up on life. Never meant to be. It was never meant to be. I want to read this to you guys. Have you considered why you're not meant to be alone? Have you considered why you're not meant to be alone? In nature, this is beautiful. It's probably not beautiful. In nature, right? What the prey likes to do for their, uh, I can't even think of the word. The the people that want to attack and get food. What animals like to do when they want food, right? There you go. Prey, predator, you know the words, right? Prey, yeah. What they like to do is they like to pick apart the ones that are weak, the ones that are by themselves, the young, right? When you're away from the pack, the crew, you're the easiest one to pounce on. And it's on this backdrop. If you imagine a lion going into the, to the, to the wilderness, who's the king of the wilderness, he ain't going to attack the whole crowd. He's going to attack those that scurry on by themselves. Wolves don't attack the whole crowd. Wolves attack the, the ones that are by themselves. This is the picture that Peter gives us. When he says this, just, imagine, just remember that Peter says this in 1 Peter 5.8. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's why it's not good for you to be alone. The enemy is waiting. Okay, I got offended by this group of people. I'm getting away from them. I'm going to be alone by myself. The enemy is like, I got you. This group of people, they looked at me the wrong way. You can't believe what they said about me too. So you isolate yourself. I got you. You had close friends, but your close friends didn't buy you the Jordans, the right Jordans. (laughs) My close friends got me the right Jordans. I just want to point that out, right? But they don't get you the right pair of shoes. So you isolate from them. I got you. You get a bad diagnosis and you don't want to share with anybody. I get that because we walk by faith but not by sight. And... What happens? You get that, that diagnosis. You say, I'm going to keep it to myself all alone. In the, I'm not going to tell anybody. You have no one to lean on. The enemy's like, I got you. You get away to college. You get so busy at work. You get so busy with life. You say, I don't have time to be in a small group. I don't have time to hang out with other people. I don't have time to greet my neighbors and get to know and build my own group. Enemy's like, I got you. My kids have to go to every sporting event there's possible. I get that. 
So now you don't have time to take your kids to anything else. You don't have time to hang out with anybody else because you're so focused on having your kid in every event possible. The enemy's like, I got you. Don't think you're any different to anyone else. The enemy's schemes are not different. If he can't, if he can't, if he can't, if he can't, I'm waiting for it to come in. If he can't, wait, wait for it, it's coming. If he can't, all right, if he can't get you to not do it, he's going to get you to overwork it. Good is the enemy of great. So you do a lot of stuff that's good enough. Instead of the one or two things that God said, that's the great thing I want you to do. I got you. Remember that enemy is like a, like a roaring lion. He didn't say he was a roaring lion. He has no power over you. But like a roaring lion, he can convince you. He can, he can twist things. He can make you get in your head. And we know that the battlefield of your mind is so crazy. You start to imagine that no one likes you. No one cares about you. No one, when you leave a place, no one remembers you. Talking about me. That's a lie of the enemy. I want to close these things and I want to ask Mr. Bruce to come up. I want to close with these thoughts. Because I want you to remember the Bible said, God said in himself, it's not good for man to be alone. The wisest man that ever walked on this planet said, it's not good for man to be alone. Jesus himself He often drew to be by himself, to be with his God. But when he came back, he had his boys. He also had women with him, so don't get it twisted. He had his 12 guys, and then he had the women that was probably cleaning up and cooking, and you know, they can get down with that. It's not good for men to be alone. I want to leave you with this thought, because I was like, I get we have scientific proof. I get the word of God, but maybe you need to hear Someone who's famous. Maybe you're like, I don't really care about those things. I need to see somebody who's done it, who's been done, who's done great things and realize this could be an issue. Anne Hathaway said this. You don't know who Anne Hathaway is. You just got to Google. She said, loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. The thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for me, I mean, to care for or someone who cares for me. Mother Teresa, she said, the most terrible poverty in is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. And this last guy, he's just a smart dude, I guess. He said this, people need people for initial and continued survival, for socialization, for the pursuit of satisfaction. No one, not dying not outcast, not the mighty, transcends the need for human contact. Today, we just want you guys to know it's not good to be alone. You're not meant to be alone. And I'm, I want, to, I want to, you guys to understand, we get it. As your church home, as your pastor, whoo, I can say that. <laughs> whoo, Pastor Joe, you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> as your pa- <laughs> thank you we get it life is busy 
You have a thousand things to do. Your kids are driving you crazy. You're overworked, underpaid. You're exhausted. Your family is losing their mind. Not just your kids, your grand, your parents, your uncles, your aunts, your brothers, your sisters are losing their mind. Houses need repairing. Cars need fixing. Right? Not to mention your bucket list. I need to travel the world. And I'm not saying but. I was going to say something else right then. I'm not saying but. And you need other people. It is not meant for us to be alone. I want to encourage everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice. If you don't have a small group of people that you're connected with, you should get one. You should get a small group of people that you're connected with that knows you from inside and out. That when you're mad about your wife not doing the dishes properly, you can call them. That when you're frustrated that your husband has been out playing golf with his boys and hasn't spent any time with you, you can talk to him. When your kids have lost their mind and they're only 14 and they think they're going to tell you what to do and you're about to kill somebody, you can reach out to them. And when you just need someone to listen, I mean, someone to listen to you because you haven't talked to anyone all day, your small group is more. So much more. So I want to encourage you guys, you're not meant to be alone. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, because you never intended for us to be alone. I thank you, Lord, that when we are tempted to walk this life alone, you will find a way out. I thank you, Lord, that each and every person here will get connected into a small group of people that they can call their own that they can lean on, that they can be strengthened by, and they can also strengthen. I ask you, Father, right now to make a way for that. If there's anyone here today that they're saying in their heart, that's not me, I don't need anybody, I ask you to convict them right now, Holy Spirit. That's your job, not mine. Help us, Lord, because Jesus did it, I want to do it. Be with us as we go this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Stephen. We like being in his neighborhood today. (laughs) That was awesome. It is not good to be alone. As I was getting ready to come up here, the Lord gave me the word oatmeal. I know. Oatmeal. In 1981, Terry and I began to tithe. And we were very faithful to try and do the very best we could with that. There were times we missed it. And then in around 2000, we hit a pretty hard place in our finances. Like, it was, it was rough. And, and there was a couple that we did life with, Pat and Winston Harvey, who showed up at our house with a five-gallon bucket of oatmeal. And we ate a lot of oatmeal. It was a really hard season in our life, but I feel like oatmeal reminded me of God's faithfulness. When we give him our first fruits, he is faithful to take care of us. If you've never tried him in 
offering your first fruits to him, please try. Open your hand so he can bless you in ways you can't even imagine, like oatmeal. <laughs> like oatmeal. So offerings can be gathered there in the boxes in the back of the church. You can do it online. You can text. But try him in this. Even if you can't do a suggested amount like 10%, do something with your first fruits and watch what the Lord does in your lives. Totally remarkable. Totally remarkable. Um, you know, the prayer partners are here to meet you and remove aloneness. So as they come up this morning, if there's something that you're feeling pretty alone about in your life, or there's something that you want to just celebrate a moment of, of life with them, let them do that with you as they're coming now. As they're coming up now. Anyway, let them pray with you, celebrate you, pray with you, whatever it is that the Lord has for you that you want to uh, have them agree with you. Let them be a part of your morning. And then don't forget, we have this wonderful small group expo out there this morning. Don't do life alone. Find one, at least, that you can join. All right? Now, if you'll stand and position yourselves to receive God's blessing through his word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. And go in that peace in Jesus' name. God bless y'all. Have a great week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.